Tonight we continue with the Passion of our Lord Jesus Christ readings drawn from the four Gospels. And tonight we specifically focus on Gethsemane. When they had sung a hymn, Jesus went out as was his custom to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. Then Jesus said to them, You will all be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherds, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Though all be offended because of you, yet will I never be offended. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you on this night, that before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter said more vehemently, If I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others said likewise. They went over to the brook Kindren and came to a place which was called Gethsemane. And there was a garden there, and he went in there with his disciples. Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. And when he was at the place, he said to them, Sit down here while I go on ahead and pray, and pray that you do not enter into temptation. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be full of sorrow and turmoil. And then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Wait here and watch with me. He went on a little while from them, or he went a little way from them, about a stone's throw, and he fell on his face and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Father, Abba, all things are possible to you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. An angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And he prayed, saying, O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In agony, Jesus prayed more earnestly. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. His sweat fell on the ground like great drops of blood. When he got up from prayer, he came to his disciples and he found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch with me this one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again the second time and he prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except if I drink it, your will be done. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. He left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. And then he came to his disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Look, he is at hand who betrays me. And even while Jesus was saying this, 
Judas, one of the twelve, came with a detachment and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees. They came to the place with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went out to them and said, Whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, had taken his stand with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and they fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus replied, I told you, I am he. If I am the one you seek, then let these go away. And this was to fulfill what was spoken. Of those you gave me, I have lost none. Now he that was betraying Jesus had given them a sign, saying, The one whom I shall kiss, that is he. Seize him and be sure to take him away securely. And he went straight up to Jesus and he said, Hail, Master. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Judas, do you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? They came then and laid their hands on Jesus, and they took him. And when those who were about him saw what had happened, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus answered and said, Let it be. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. All they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Do you imagine that I cannot now pray to my Father and he will presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? The cup which my Father has given me, shall I not drink of it? Then Jesus said to the chief priests, and he said to the captains of the temple and the elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a thief with swords and clubs to take me? When I was with you day after day teaching in the temple, you did not lay your hands on me. But this is your hour and the hour of the power of darkness. All this happened that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then all the disciples forsook him and fled. There was a certain young man who followed along. He had only a linen cloth about his naked body. They laid hold on him, but he slipped out of the linen cloth, and he fled away naked. Then the detachment and its captains and the officers of the Jews seized Jesus, and they bound him. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law to Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now Caiaphas was the one who gave counsel to the Jews that it was good that one man should die for the people. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. All of us need to hear and experience the love of someone else. We need to experience love. We need to experience love for us by their actions. And we need to hear of their love for us expressed in words. 
Likewise, there are people we know who need to see and hear that we love them. All of us need to know that we are loved. Loved by the one who created us. And that is why I stand in this pulpit Sunday after Sunday and often through midweek services so that God speaking through me assures you of his love. Yes, our Lord loves you. That is also why I encourage you to participate in a regular Bible study, to read the scriptures, the Bible daily, so that your Creator can assure you of His love for you. The Gospel reading from this past Sunday is a grand example of God's love for us. And that's why I've entitled this message tonight, Behold the Savior in His Boundless Love. Listen to this text, and as you do, listen for the loving words spoken by our Savior to you and me. And as you listen to these words, listen carefully, because His loving words may not be so obvious. And at that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons, and I perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow, and the day following it, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent it, to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Do you hear our Savior's boundless love for you. Our Savior's love is a love which took him to a certain death. Our Savior's love is a love which sorrows and grieves for those who reject him. And our Savior's love is a love which extends hope to those who believe in him as their Savior. Several years ago, there was a teenage boy who was living in a town in South Dakota, and he saw that there was a young girl who was going to step in front of a car. The car was going to hit her. And so this young teenager immediately did all that he could physically do, and he rushed at her and he pushed her out of the way. And as he did so, he himself was struck by the car. During his recovery, Community leaders, as well as the girl and her family, made much of his heroism. Eventually, he was called to Washington, D.C., and received a national award for his heroic act of bravery. And through all the praise, he always maintained a modest attitude, simply saying, I really couldn't have done anything else. I don't mean to belittle Jesus' act of love and sacrifice when I suggest that Jesus could also echo the teenager's words. 
I really couldn't do anything else. Or what really could I have done any differently? I mean, what else could Jesus have done? He sees human creation separated from him because of sin. He knows that we're incapable of appeasing God's wrath and overcoming the evil forces in this world by our own powers. He sees the wicked effects of sin in, our, in the world. He sees the wars, the pandemics. He sees the famines. He sees the lovelessness between people. He sees jealousy and indifference and disease and death. And therefore, without hesitation, and with thought only for what needs to be done, the Son of God turns the warning aside and he walks directly to the cross. We hear in our text that that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons, and I perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way. I must go to Jerusalem. Jesus is compelled to do what his Father has sent him to do, to cast out demons, to perform cures today and tomorrow, and then the third day, finish his course. In other words, Jesus saw that we were to be hit by a speeding car, that car being sin, meaning certain death. And what could he do but push us aside and be struck and killed for our sin? Behold the Savior in his boundless love. In Planet and Rebellion, George Vandeman writes, it was May 21st, 1946. The place Los Alamos. A young and daring scientist was carrying out a necessary experiment in preparation for the atomic test to be conducted in the waters of the South Pacific. He had successfully performed such an experiment many times before. In his effort to determine the amount of U-235 necessary for a chain reaction, science, scientists call it the critical mass, he would push the two hemispheres of uranium together. And then just as the mass became critical, he would push them apart with a screwdriver, thus instantly stopping the chain reaction. But on that day, just as the material became critical, the screwdriver slipped slipped, and the hemisphere of uranium came together, too close together, and instantly the room was filled with dazzling blue haze, and young Lois Sloten, Lois Sloten, instead of ducking and thereby possibly saving himself, tore the two hemispheres apart with his hands and thus interrupted the chain reaction. By this instant self forgetful daring, he saved the lives of the seven other persons in the room. And as he waited for the car that would take him to the hospital, he said quietly to one of his companions, you'll come through all right, but I haven't the faintest chance myself. It was only too true. Nine days later, he died. He died as a result of a selfless act of love. 
Friends, over 2,000 years ago, the Son of God voluntarily walked directly into sin's most concentrated radiation, and he allowed himself to be contaminated by its curse, the curse of sin, and he let it take his life in agony. And why did he do such a selfless act of love? Because he knew that by his act of love, he broke the power of death. Behold the Savior in his boundless love, the love which took Jesus to certain death. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. Our Savior's lament is filled with sorrow because his heart is filled with love. His heart is filled with love for his fellow Jews, for those who even plot his death. You see, Jesus takes no pleasure in the death of unbelievers, but rather that they would turn from their wicked ways, their wayward ways, and believe in him as their Savior. You see, Jesus, like a mother hen, tries to cover his chicks with his protective cover. But most of the Jews have forgotten or rejected the prophecy of the psalmist who said, God will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. The people have rejected the words of the psalmist who writes, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. People, the Jews of Jesus' day, refused They refused to believe in him as their savior. And so they became the next prey of the praying hawk. Yet Jesus' love for his people moves him to lament. It moves him to lament for their rejection of him, to cry out one more time, hoping that they will believe in him as the promised Messiah. And in that cry of lament, behold the savior, in his boundless love. It's characteristic for God's people to grieve for those who reject Christ. We hear St. Paul say to the Philippian Christians, and this is the epistle lesson from this past Sunday, we hear Paul say, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with their minds set on earthly things. Jesus, or Paul, I mean, sheds tears for those who reject Christ. And what of us? Do we grieve when we realize that people we love are like that unsuspecting chick of Jesus' day who refuses to shelter under the protective wings of the Savior? Do we lament that people we know and love are enemies of the cross of Christ? Do we mourn the fact that their destiny is destruction And their God is their stomach and their glory is their shame for their minds are set on earthly things. 
Yes, I'm sure our hearts break, don't they? Just like Jesus's. Because we know that universalism, the teaching of universalism is a lie. God is not going to save everyone. Oh, he desires the salvation of everyone. And Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of everyone. But sadly, there are millions upon millions of people who don't want to be rescued. As amazing as that may be. They don't want to be rescued by Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And so Jesus still sheds tears. He sheds tears for those who don't love him because he loves them. He knows that they've chosen to live a hopeless life. And Jesus continually, until their dying day, reaches out to them with his word as it's proclaimed and shared by missionaries and pastors and lay people like you. See, as whether as pastor or lay people, we proclaim, behold the one who dies on the cross. Behold God's son dying for you. Dying for me. Behold the Savior in his boundless love. By God's undeserved love, many do see God's son as their mother hen. And they flock to his protective cover seeking divine protection. They rely on Jesus for forgiveness with God. And as they live under the shelter of his protective wings, they're assured of victory, assured of victory over everything evil in this world. And those who seek protection under his wings live with the confidence expressed by St. Paul, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And thus they join their voice with all other believers. They join their voices with you and me who proclaim of Jesus, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yes, behold the Savior in his boundless love. A love which extends hope to those who believe in him. Friends, look to our Savior's cross and empty tomb when you feel unloved or unwanted or underappreciated. Behold the Savior in his boundless love for you. A love which took him to certain death. A love which sorrows for us even when we sin. A love that calls us back to repent of that sin a love that focuses our eyes on his cross, a love that extends forgiveness and hope to all who believe in him. Behold the Savior, your Savior, in his boundless love. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.